so good to be here. All right, so uh, we're gonna con- I'm going to conclude our series this morning on the five keys of authority just by uh, going over the last key once again for us, the authority of Christ in the local church. If I can have the slides up, that would be fantastic. This week, I believe I need to wrap it up, this series uh, of five keys of authority by going over the final key once again. I've really enjoyed and gotten a lot from this series and there are just some truths about the authority of Christ in the local church that I believe we need to hear again to get that within us. It needs to become a part of us. Uh, to reinforce the importance of remaining connected into a spirit-filled, God-centered local church. Okay, So church is not just a social club. Can I get an amen on that? Although in it we find love, acceptance and encouragement. It is not a charity, although it express, although the, it is the expression of charity by God to a local community. Church is not a place for perfect people, but more like a hospital where people find the pathway to healing, acceptance and purpose in their life. While we are all on a journey to maturity, And when I use that term maturity, what I mean is we're all on a journey to become Christ-like. Come on, you've got to say amen to that one because we're all on that journey. We're all becoming more like Jesus. Well, that should be our aim. Then we all must see that Jesus has a purpose for each of his people within his church and each of his churches of whom he gives authority. We are strong believers here at LifeSource that each person is called by Jesus for the ministry of the kingdom whether that is a ministry to one, a ministry to the multitude, or a ministry even to a few. It is up to God whom he chooses for each area. But each of us are on a journey that we be more like Christ. Whatever we're going through, God has an answer. Victory is assured because Jesus is for us. Can I get an amen for that? So let's pray. Father, we just come to you right now. We open our hearts to you. Lord, as you move through worship this morning to engage with us, we want to engage with you through the word right now. Lord, it is important to us that we not only draw close to you, but you draw close to us and you change us into the likeness of your son. Draw us together today into one body, one fellowship in unity under the name of Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, five keys of authority. The the fifth key this weekend, the authority of Christ in the local church. Who remembers our tagline that we've been using throughout? Can anyone? I'll throw it up there for us. Victory and revival come only through the delegated authority of Christ to us. It's something that we've got to express, something we've got to walk out, something that we've got to work out by faith in our lives. Victory and revival come only through the delegated authority of Christ to us. You and I have a delegated authority. And this is expressed through the local church, through ministry into our community. This is the foundation of truth that the CRC began with, which was established through the ministry of Pastor Leo Harris. And it resonated with me quite personally, almost 18 years ago. This is why I'm in the CRC. 
I found my home because this very truth resonated with me. The New Testament revelation of the church is a universal living organism organized into local churches which are self-governing and self-propagating. The authority of the local church is a key to real revival in our day. And today we're going to look at some reasons why. Last week we, we briefly touched, and I'm only even going to briefly touch on it today because it is a study in its own right on the seven lampstands. And you heard Pastor Rodney uh, even mention that today as he took over from worship. The seven lampstands in Revelation, we looked at those really briefly and we looked at, so we look at this one, there was a picture of really quickly so that we can get it in our mind, Jesus walking amongst seven individual lampstands. That's just one I ripped off the internet uh, just for, for today so you can see a picture of it image-wise. And then in Exodus 25, there was actually the picture of one lampstand with seven branches. And I think Christians get this confused sometimes when we see seven lampstands. Sometimes we confuse it with the with the, the menorah, okay? But that's not what the picture is. The picture is more so in the New Testament, very much like this. Students of prophecy agree that the seven also symbolizes seven successive stages of the history of the Christian church throughout this age, okay? Moreover, seven being the perfect number, they also represent the entire church on earth. It's very important to understand that. That's why the, word, the number is seven. That's why Jesus isn't walking amongst thousands and millions of churches in the picture, seven representative of the perfect church. Okay. Revelation 1.4, John writes this of the seven. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. He continues in verse 10 with this. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice with a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, and to Pergamon, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands was one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The image clearly tells us that God never intended the New Testament church to be organized like the nation of Israel that his intention was never to be centrally governed or universally organized, but in an association of local governed congregations that are under the headship of Jesus Christ in the midst. This is what we see throughout the book of Acts as the gospel goes forth through the ministry and the apostle, of the apostles Barnabas and Saul. Their call was to go out through the world and to plant individual churches. And they did so by first going to a synagogue, preaching to the, the Jews first, and then taking those people and the God-fearers of the day, those who were Gentiles but feared God, and they would come together around the teachings of Paul and Barnabas and even the early apostles. They would come together 
on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. And they would come together and they would be in a local congregation. And then from that, you read through the New Testament of Paul setting up governance and things like that. Does that make sense? It was always God's intention to distribute the word of God into local communities and to impact a local community through a local church. Okay? Chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation contain the individual messages to the individual churches. These messages are from the one, the head of the church, and it reveals that Jesus is completely involved with his churches for the purpose of commanding, exhorting, rebuking, and rewarding. Okay? Every individual church identified in the seven being the perfect number of churches, the entire church on the earth. Every one of them Jesus is interested in, which means he's interested today here in Life Source Church. He's interested today with our brothers and sisters at the Presbyterian Church, at the Baptist Church, at Grace Church, at all the different churches. He's interested today in the individual local church that is represented as a lampstand within the community. It is in the local church that Jesus establishes these four things. Firstly, government. Secondly, ministry. Thirdly, fellowship. And fourthly, discipline. You can't get any of those things connected into the universal church. Okay? You might think you're accountable to the universal church, but you could never be accountable to the universal church. Accountability only comes when you're sewn into a local body government, ministry, fellowship, and discipline. And that goes for all who are connected in. The church universal, compared to the church local, is an interesting study. When you look at the church universal, there's a comparison in Scripture. There's, there's actually three or four things that the church universal can be described to. Firstly, the church is like a building in which you and I are living stones. And we find that in 1 Peter 2.5. Okay? The church is also like a household in which we are, have the privilege of sons. Okay? The third one is that we are the church universal is the body of Christ. It is members or the local churches are members in particular in the global church. And there's some scriptures up there if you're wanting to write those down. The fourth one is that I don't have up there on the slide is that the church universal is the bride of Christ. And the Holy Spirit was given as a seal, like an engagement ring of promise return, of Jesus returning to rapture up his bride, to carry her into glory. And that is what he will do on that day. He will rapture up his church. That is the global universal church. That is the one under the headship of Jesus. But I cannot be accountable to the global church or the local. I have to be accountable in a local setting. Matthew 16, 18 is really the first mention of the church in the New Testament. And it says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Sadly, churches of um, of the modern era, or not even the modern era, churches in the millennia have taken on 
that this is meaning upon Peter, I will build my church. That is a distortion of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying upon your confession of faith that I am the Christ, I am the risen one, I am the living God. Upon your confession that he was the son of God, I will build my church. Okay? But then when we look at the local church, it's only a couple of chapters over that we read this. Actually, I'll go back. How can we, here's a question for us, how can we enjoy the privileges of God and bear his responsibilities as a member of a a universal church except that we are placed within a local church, in a local body where we can find local expression, local outreach, local input, local discipline. Discipline is not a bad word. Discipline is like the word discipleship, okay? It's the same root meaning. Discipline in the context of being formed into the likeness of Jesus. So how can we do that on a universal scale? We can't. We have to be plugged in to a local church. Two chapters over, Matthew 18, 15 to 17 says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. A very simple, practical command of Jesus. That's, I think, one that we need to apply even more so in our life today. Very easy to offend people, isn't it? Yeah? People take the wrong things when we say things. It's very easy to do that. But if your brother sins against you, you go to your brother or your sister and you share with them. That's what the Word of God says. Between you and him alone, you gain your brother. Verse 16, But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, Tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Some harsh words there at the end, isn't there? Let him be disconnected. Let him be disowned from you. Okay? But there's steps and stages along the way. And I think what happens today is people, they disown other people really quickly because of offense. They don't go to their brother or sister. They don't deal with it. Then they don't take two one or two witnesses with them and they don't bring it out into the open so that they can pray about it together, share it, and then the, the brother who is the sinner can, can repent. That doesn't happen today and, and sadly we need to work on that because what happens is the very first step we do is we take it to the church. We bypass the first two. We take it to the church and it becomes a, a problem when it's being aired out in the pastor's office and it hasn't been aired out in the home first. And you see, it's a drastic measure. But you cannot do this on a universal scale. You can only do it in the local church. It has to be, and it's obvious that it's the local church, where we encounter and participate in life together. I cannot be accountable to a brother on the other side of the world. It is physically impossible. 
to be accountable to someone on the other side of the world. It is in a local context that you are brought to account for your behaviours and your growth into the likeness of Jesus. Are we all on the same page at the moment? Yeah, we understand what's going on. The local church, when I look at it into this context, (coughs) I see the four things, our four values, and I just want to really share them really quickly in the local church today. I see community. I see that there's the opportunity for fellowship. Acts 2.42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. I can't do that with someone on the other side of the world. I have to do it in my local context, in my local church, with my local brothers and sisters on whom I call friends. I cannot fellowship with someone on the other side of the world even though I can Skype them. That's not fellowship. This, today, gathering together, worshipping God, taking communion together, having a meal together, that is fellowship. You see? So that's a sense and a level of community. The second one is this area of grace. It's it's an area where we find disciplinary measures, accountability and discipleship, where we are encouraged and we get exhorted or exhortation comes in. You find those in scriptures like 2 Timothy 2, 20 to 26, Hebrews 3, 13 and Titus 2, 15, which says, Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So as a minister who was Titus, the pastor in the church, Paul writes to him and says, rebuke with all authority, minister with the fullness. And that's a message to me is say, I can only do that when I have your ears and your attention. Does that make sense? You have to be in a plugged in a local community. In a local context, I can plug in a, I can plug in a iPod and I can throw on a, a podcast any time of the day I want, any time of the night I want. I can listen to 10 pastors a day, but I tell you what, I'm not accountable to one of them and they are definitely not accountable to me. You cannot have accountability. You cannot have the, the expression, the fullness of God's grace unless you're plugged into a local church. The third thing is service. Finding purpose. Hebrews 13, 20, 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Let me read this 1 Timothy passage for us. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good. The word service, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is truly life. You see, we are the privileged of this world. You guys sit in, me included, We sit in the top 95% of the rich in the world. We really do. You live in a house with more than one room. You are a privileged person. This word is a word that is directly to our heart because it's do good, 
Serve in your local context. Let the expression of God come out. Stop chasing after richness and let the richness that is God in you flow out of you. Impact your community. And the last one is mission. I skipped a couple of those scriptures just for time's sake, so I'd expect you to go home and read those. Mission. The equipping by gifted ministry. Every time in the book of Acts, I I just finished reading through the book of Acts again. I'm probably going to do it again because there's just so much in there. But every time someone was sent to mission, every time someone was sent to do a calling, every time someone was to fulfill an office in the church, the elders or the apostles prayed, laid hands on, prayed, they fasted even before that, and they commissioned them to do the work of the gospel. It was the gifted ministry of God that laid hands and impartation and sent the missionaries into the world. As a local church, in the likeness of Jesus Christ, every one of you becoming more like him, you are missionaries to the place you live. A person, a leader on the other side of the world cannot lay their hands physically on you and impart grace upon you to minister. It just can't happen. So in the local context, we get this opportunity. We get the opportunity to sit under gifted ministry. We get the opportunity to honor and draw out of them the most that God has put into them so that we can be the best us to our community. Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a saint. Now tell them that they are a saint and they are called of God. All right? You're called of God. Okay? You've got these things. You're all connected in. You're here this morning. You know, one of my, one of my intentions, you might think, oh, you've got a, a funny dream. But one of my intentions is if I only see you once a month, my intention is to talk to you and say, I want to see you twice a month at church. If I only see you three times a month, guess what? I want to see you four times a month. Right? And if you're coming every Sunday morning, I'm going to be talking to you about coming Sunday nights as well. Why? Because there's something about the ministry of meeting together in the presence of God at a corporate level, being plugged into God and sharing in these four things, mission, grace, community and service. As we work out these things, we shine bright as a lamp in this community. And Jesus receives the glory. You see? But I think what happens is we get all insular. We get into our little boxes. And we lie in our beds and we think, God, I can't do this on my own. And then what happens is we, we, we get really shy. And we don't step into the fullness of God. I get more encouraged the more I get around people. Because it's the gift of God that stirs and fans into flame the call of God in my life. And it's the same with you. Don't get insular. Tap in. Get involved. Find an expression for your life. And that leads me to this passage of Scripture. I shared this on Facebook Live this morning if you, if you logged on and saw. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. So I'm going to come around, I'm going to stir you up. I saw you once this week, fantastic. I want to see you twice. 
I'm going to come around, I'm going to stir you up. What are you doing for Jesus? I'm going to come around, I'm going to stir you up. What's your gift? Where are you tapped in? Where are you using it so that you can grow more into the likeness of Christ? Why? Because the scripture tells me to stir up one another, to do good works from the position of love. You tap into Jesus who is love and the overflow, the expression of him in your life is to do good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Who's on Facebook? Facebook. Yeah. Who's on internet at all? Who, who keeps an eye on the day drawing near? Who's looking at all these people kind of scaremongering that Jesus is coming back and looking into hope and looking into the future and hoping that Jesus will come back? All the more as you see the day coming near, that should inspire us to meet together more, not to hide in our little hideouts like, uh, you know, the TV show American Preppers, prepping for the end of the world. The end of the world's coming. It's just not going to be like what people think it's going to be like. For us who are in the church, for us who are in Christ, for us who are filled with the Spirit of God and stand upon the confession like Jesus, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. On that day, it is a glorious day. And we are to celebrate the ushering in of Jesus Christ. So we come expectant to celebrate God when we meet together. In Revelation 1, John gives us a picture of a glorified Christ amongst the burning lampstands. Jesus is the glorified head of the universal church and he walks among local churches, ministering to them, commanding, rebuking, correcting, and even blessing. Okay? Some of us, some of us have these conversations. All we're looking for is the blessing of the Lord. All we're looking for is everything to go well in our lives. You know, you grow the most when you walk through the hardest of times. So if you're stubborn enough not to grow in the blessing, there's going to be a hard time come on your life. It's just the reality of it. All right? That's just what happens. Hard times will come because they force us to reach out in faith. They cause us to draw close to God. And then almost it's like we enter this sweet place and we're like, it's okay, God's with me everywhere I go. And then we draw back. You know? God wants us to keep drawing in about relationships. Pastor Leah Harris in his book writes this, Every local church stands as a witness to the risen, triumphant and glorified Christ. He has died and been raised and ascended and all authority is given unto him in heaven and earth. He has defeated the devil on what was his own territory. Christ snatched from his hands the keys of hell and death and is now enthroned in victory. His authority is supreme. And now, this authority is ours. The key to our victory in this world and into the next is the delegated authority of Jesus to us. Pastor Leo Harris continues, he, referring to Jesus, he, it is, who turns to each lampstand, to each church, that is to each local church ready to pour in new supplies of oil, 
to clean and to trim the wick, that a right and constant witness may be given to the glorious victory and supreme authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every local church can have victory. Every local church can have revival. Christ knows each local church and speaks to each one and ministers to each one. We need, actually, every local church stands as a witness to the glorified Christ, which is why we must look to prosper in all we do. As his representatives here and now, when we burn bright for him, Jesus receives all the glory. It's not humble to retract back from people's blessing on you. It is not humble to retract back from their praise on you. Because when they're praising you, they're actually praising Jesus. Because if you're plugged into a local church and you're following after the heart of God, your every intention is to bring glory to God. So when they say, great job, that was wonderful what you did today, you go and you say, thank you, Jesus, that was for your glory. Every part melding together, working together to do their part so that the head receives the glory. Okay? We need to imagine that every local church has an individual lampstand across the globe and the risen and all-powerful Jesus Christ is walking and ministering amongst them. I think this is a good trick for us. It's a good, it's a good habit to get into because some of us are ruled by fear. We can't help that. We, we've had things and tragedies in our life that we're knowing God's dealing with and, and sometimes we just have anxiety that we have to overcome. And, and, and one of the things that the world says is to stop, close your eyes and breathe, refocus your breath. But I don't really like that until you actually add one more thing, to stop and visualize the work of God across this world. And I think this is a way we can do it because if we're fearful that the enemy's getting the upper hand and you can think of things like ISIS and terrorism and those sorts of things spreading across the world, if we're fearful that that's actually happening, the brightest burning churches in this world are the ones that are being persecuted in those, those states and those nations. So what we actually have to do is train ourselves to visualize the burning church, the lampstand in the midst of darkness and Jesus in the midst of that. Jesus wishes none would perish. He ain't pulling out of any of those places. He's not running scared. He's got the keys to death and Hades. He is not scared of anything and if you can visualize a burning church a lampstand in every community and in some like ours blessed with 20s and 30 churches in them you can you can visualize burning bright lampstands and jesus in the midst then that will bring peace in your life and you will overcome all fear in your thinking so there are four things in which the local church can be witness for the victory of Christ. We looked at these four points last week, but I really want to e emphasize them today. Firstly, we're to look at number one, the victory of Christ is seen in the unity of the local church. Matthew five twenty-three to 24 says this, So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, 
Now, this is not a Christmas gift. I just want to make this you aware of this. This is looking at the temple gift. This is offering of tithes. It's offering of a tenth of everything that they had. Okay, this is this is you're coming to the temple. You're offering your gift. That's the 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 analogy that Jesus is drawing down on. So if you come even today into the church and you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Jesus is all about reconciliation because he would despise the gift. It's, it's, it's an Old Testament thing, but he, the gift would be despised. You only have to look at Cain and Abel to understand that. If the heart is wrong. Okay? Jesus is about reconciliation. The church is the best picture of reconciliation that the world will ever see but sadly there are so many churches that aren't giving a good picture of what reconciliation looks like but a church that is on fire for god that is looking out for the the poor that is tapped into the grace of god that is doing all the things that we've shared already is a church that is a great picture of reconciliation And the governing authorities and the influences within your city will give the church favor because of it. Go and have some conversations with some people in the community and see what they think about Life Source Church. And it might blow your mind as to the lampstand that God has in this church. Jesus has called us to unity. Unity is integral for the witness of Christ. Again, Matthew 18, 15 to 17. I read this before, but we'll put it up there just again for us. Matthew 18, 15 to 17. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If, you li- if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. This is in the context of the local church. The very first time the local church is mentioned, reconciliation and unity is the key. So whatever things are hampering you, I believe God's saying today, let's do everything we can for unity of the Spirit amongst our body. Someone, they might do something you don't like. If it's a sin, go and deal with it with them. Go and talk to them. Set the record straight and together you can move forward in unity. It is to the local church. You cannot approach this this word, this, this message is to the local church. You cannot approach the Queen of England and ask her to deal with your sinning brother. She's the head of the Anglican church, by the way. You cannot go to the Vatican City and approach the Pope and ask him to deal with your sister who has said slander about you. Can you? You can't go to the heads of the local church, of the church organization. You have to go to the local church. It's so important for us to understand to be so connected into a local church builds unity across these areas. Especially when we're looking at reconciliation. And that's what that passage is really talking about. Philippians 1.27, Paul exhorts the church in this way. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, 
so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I think there's a specific word here today. Side by side, working out your faith together. Throughout the New Testament, we see repeated exhortation to maintain (coughs) unity. The second, the victory of Christ is seen in the charity of the local church. In the Greek, charity means one that expresses divine love, a supernaturally imparted love. Okay? Really, it's the agape of God. Have you heard that term before? That's what charity is. That's what it's meaning here in this passage. 1 Peter 3, 8 to 9, Peter writes, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reveling for reveling, but on the contrary, bless. For to, you, uh, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Only in the context of the local church can we find abundant opportunity to give expression to the love and charity in which Christ has shed abroad in our hearts. 1 John 3, 14, it says this, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. This is the whole context of a divine love. Now, I can say I love my brother on the other side of the world, but the rubber hits the road when I have to love you and you have to love me because we're rubbing shoulders together and I might say something that hurts you or you might say something that offends me. And the rubber hits the road and it tests my charity. It tests my divine love because I have to choose that over my own feelings of hurt. I cannot do that with a man or a woman over the other side of the world, but in the context of the local church. And in that, God is glorified and authority is seen. The third is the third point to the victory of Christ is seen in the authority of the local church. Matthew 18, same passage, but just a little bit further on, verse 19 to 20. Again, I say to you, this is Jesus, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, Well, there am I among them. The word is agree. It's not a casual or superficial agreement, but it is a deep conviction. So you could come to me and say, this is how Leah Harris would have said it back in in the 50s. Brother, will you agree with me on this? Brother, will you agree with me on that? And people will come to you and ask for you to agree with them in prayer all the time. But it's kind of worthless unless that person has the deep, conviction of God on their life for that point because the word agreement here is that very point it is sophenio 
meaning symphony. It is the perfect blending of thought, hearts and purpose. Leo Harris in his book, he uses the analogy of a symphony and, and the conductor standing there with, a, with an in-tune ear. But when I was preparing, I actually got a really different picture. I actually got the symphony of a husband and wife together in love. Where they come together in agreement and the very overflow of their love is the fruit of a child. You see, agreement is supposed to produce fruit. So in a symphony, when you're in agreement and unity together, it produces a lovely song or a lovely sound. But when a husband and wife come together in agreement and the perfect picture of love is fulfilled, the expression or the overflow of fruit in that is a child. And that's how God is saying here. When we agree in something, it needs to be a deep conviction or else your prayers are not going to be answered. So the question is how? And in verse 20, it says, where two or three are gathered, Jesus is in the midst. Where two or three come together in agreement, it is like there is a lampstand under God and Jesus stands amongst them. Where there is deep-seated agreement. When two or more are in one accord, the mind of Christ is in the midst. And this, and the answer to our request is inevitable. John fourteen twelve says, "Tell us that when we have faith in who Jesus is, it, sorry." John fourteen twelve tells us that when we have faith in who Jesus is and what His promises are, we can ask Him for anything, and He will give it to us. There you go. Have a look. Have a read for yourself. That's what John fourteen twelve says. Look at the last words. I will do it. The key should be discovered and exercised in every local church because the power of authority comes and is expressed and is revealed in the twos and threes coming together. You have a problem in your life? You have something that you need to break through in? Find someone with a similar heart. Have a symphony between them, two or three of you, coming together in agreement, finding the Word of God and standing on the Word of God and praying with faith and your breakthrough will come. The last of the four is the victory of Christ is seen in the ministry of the local church. God's intention for the church is that they not only be self-governing but self-propagating. Lampstands give light. Churches birth churches. Matthew five fifteen to 16 tells us that a light should not be hidden under a lampstand, but should be out for all to see. And the last scripture I want to really bring up here for us. I need to conclude. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 to 8. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need 
not say anything. The work of the church had gone forth so that they hadn't, didn't have to send Paul into those areas. The work of the church had gone forth and planted other churches in those sites. This is a great witness of the church. It is a lampstand that is burning bright, looking out from themselves, going into all the world and planting churches on their way. Perfect picture of the authority of the ministry of the local church. Harris writes this, Jesus, the head of the church universal, has planned that these local communities of saints, these local self-governing churches, should not only demonstrate a unity of spirit and an atmosphere of divine charity, but also to outreach bringing into existence yet other churches who following these principles shall continue this process of compound multiplication until the dark earth is enlightened by the witness of innumerable golden lampstands that he, the glorious high priest, might live amongst them. That concludes today the sermon on the five keys of authority, the fifth key being the authority of Christ in the local church but we went through five keys first was the authority of Christ he is our foundation in all we do the second is the authority of the believer when you are in Christ delegated to you is an authority to overcome in your world the third point the third key is the authority of the word of God you might think you've got authority but when you back it up with the word of God you know you have authority Fourthly, the authority, the ministry. Pastor Rod shared on this one and and really, really well. And the thing that really stood out to me on that one was the yabby in the bucket. You know, I listened to that one during the uh, a couple of weeks ago, and and we don't want to be pulling each other down, but we want to be helping each other up and, and pushing on for the glory of God. And today we looked at the authority of Christ in the local church. This delegated authority to us. His church, assembled into local context, is the key to walking in victory and unlocking revival for our city.